prayer friend. Once again, thank you for listening in to our prayer cast from Africa Christ Prayer Ministries, the ministry that reaches out to the busy person, the millennials, the professionals of all fields, and to the underchurched, uh, often unreached people. We also believe, just like Jesus did, and the disciples, Paul and the prophets of old, that our prayers should have impact every time. Jesus never prayed a prayer that failed, and he never sent out a command that didn't achieve its intended purpose. He prayed and commanded with words of impact. We are confident that the Bible-based prayer principles that we teach never fail. The Bible says that God's word never comes back to him void. If our prayers are initiated of the Holy Spirit, as it says in Romans 8, then they will never come back void to us. We would appreciate if we recommend our prayer cast to your friends. Uh, we would also appreciate if you recommend our app, Afri Christ, to your friends. This app can be downloaded from the Apple App Store and also the Google Play Store, and it reaches out to people like you. Thank you once again, and may God bless you as you listen in. Prayer friends, this is Sam Kawesa, your host. We are once again excited to bring you principles of prayer that you can practice and get maximum results from your prayers. We base everything on the Word of God, giving you Bible testimonies of the principles that we teach in every episode. So it's not just our opinions, but it's the Word of God. Today we are going to talk about Overcoming seemingly impossible feats by God's intervention through intercession. We're going to look at Job, King David, and King Jehoshaphat, and examples of people like you and I. So get ready to be blessed. By the end of this podcast, you will understand that to overcome seemingly impossible feats, God may use unusual methods. And then the other thing you'll also see that God wants to use you. And then you'll also understand that God makes no errors. If he asks you to do something, it may seem out of the way. But you know what? If you do it, he makes no errors. So the key is that you know that it's the voice of God speaking to you. You will also see from uh, the examples that God cares and he has a plan for you to succeed in whatever it is he sends you to do. It doesn't matter whether you call it a miracle or whatever, but God wants you to succeed. You'll also learn how to expect and to be attentive to his guidance and how to act accordingly. That way you'll act with no fear. You'll learn how to be bold, just like you'll see King Jehoshaphat. So just to get started, I'm going to be reading a lot of scriptures, but from those scriptures you are going to get the gist of what we are talking about. And when you get the meat of what we are talking about, you can walk and do things that you never expected you could be able to do. Okay, so now let us start with Job uh, chapter 42, verse 7 through 10. Now, you all know, or most of you will know about the story of Job. God was basically challenged by Satan that, you know, you think Job is serving you. You think Job loves you. If you take away what he has, he is going to stop loving you and serving you. And God says, okay, you try, but don't harm Job. You take away everything and you will see that that man will stay with me. And so we're going to read chapter 42 and we shall go verse 7 through 10, okay? And so it was after the Lord had taken these words to Job that the Lord said to Eliphaz, 
the termite, my wrath is aroused against you and your friends. For you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore, take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams to go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept him, lest I deal with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Tamanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Namathite went and did as the Lord commanded them, for the Lord had accepted Job. And verse 10 says this, And the Lord restored Job's loss when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So now you remember, Job had lost everything. He has lost his children. He has lost his family. He has absolutely nothing. All his material wealth is gone. But he never gave up on trusting God. However, his friends, those three that were mentioned, for them during all this um, time that Job was suffering, they were really taunting him about who God is and what he should do. And they were telling, giving him ideas on how to act and doing this or the other. But in the process, they were really undermining what God was doing. They were really not sure showing trust in God as it may seem in the Bible when you read it, read their stories. However, their friend that they were directing these things at, for him he stayed the same as far as God was concerned. And that's why God was pleased with him and not with them. And for that reason he said, you know what, for you you've not spoken of me as Job has, and so you really have something, I have something against you. However, I'm willing to forgive you if what? Job intercedes. Okay, so here was Job. He is going to intercede for his friends who have been basically taunting him about his love or knowledge of God. But God says, you go to him and he will intercede for you. Now, the key here is that he is going to intercede. Now, the other thing that you have to see that Job is interceding while he still is at a loss. He has lost everything. He hasn't gained anything back. But then in verse 10 of chapter 42, it says, And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. When what? When he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So you see, when you intercede... It shows an unselfish spirit. It shows that you care about somebody else. It shows that you have put your things down and you have gone to help somebody else. And God, it pleases him. Because even Jesus, he put everything that he had down so that he can come die for us on the cross and intercede for us. And so that's the same spirit that pleases God that Job had. And so God says, you know what? I'm going to give him back twice as much as what he had, what the devil had taken away. So in your life, when you may seem like you're down under, there is always someone out there who needs your intercession so that God may help him. Someone who needs spiritual help, someone who needs physical help, someone who needs counseling of some sort. And God is pleased when you put your own desires on the side and then you say, you know what? 
my father, this, this son of yours, this child of yours, this person, they need such and such and you pray for them. They need forgiveness. They need favor from you. God will honor that and God will take care of your own situation because you are taking care of somebody. So one of the first things that you have to learn in intercession is not to be selfish, is to think of others first because that's the same spirit that Jesus Christ had when he came down here and died for our sins even though he himself did not commit any sin. As you can remember, just before he was crucified, when he was being taken for trial, the king said that, you know, I don't see anything wrong with this man. I don't see why I should sentence him to death. So you see, Jesus committed nothing, yet he stood for us. He stood in the gap for us, okay? That is intercession. When we unselfishly pray for others, interceding for their needs and putting them first, we are answering a biblical call. We are accepting God's call on our lives to stand in the gap for other people before him. You know, actually, this is another way of avoiding pride. You are taking care of the spirit of pride of putting yourself first, okay? I was going to do this. He's in my way. Let me give you a picture. There was one time um, um, in Spain, okay, long distance uh, runners were running and this Kenyan guy was going to win and he was almost hitting the uh, um, finish line. There was a Spanish guy right behind him running in second place and they had been running but see the Kenyan was just a few meters away from winning. Then he saw these signs. They were in Spanish. He did not understand them. He thought that was the end of the line. But the Spanish guy behind him who could read the Spanish signs realized that this guy has made a mistake. He thinks he's done. And so he shouted at him, keep going, keep going, keep going. But the guy couldn't understand Spanish either. His instructions instead of him passing him like most people would do and then go win and we've seen those kind of instances you know where someone either makes a mistake or rejoices too quickly and then before they cross the line someone comes from behind and bow he passes him this guy his name was Ivan the Kenyan guy's name was Mutai so as Mutai was struggling to rest Ivan pushed Mutai so that Mutai could go past the uh, finish line before Ivan because all along Mutai was going to win but now he was confused the reporters were so confused why did this man do this okay why did Ivan take the second place instead of taking first place like most people would do you know what Ivan said? He said, my dream is that one day we can have some community life where we push ourselves and also others to win. He further said that, you know, I didn't let him win. He was going to win anyway. The race was for him to take. Now that's intercession. That's interceding. He saw this guy with whom he had been competing all along for all these long distance miles and yet he got confused at the end and he's like, no, rather than take this first place, let me help him to win. Then we both win. The number two guy really never gets to be known because everybody's talking about the number one. But guess what? This guy Ivan got just as much attention as the winner because he showed a spirit of unselfishness. He showed a spirit of sportsmanship. And see, that's how God is. That's what happened with Job. 
you know, God was so pleased that Job, instead of caring about his own, you know, when he went to God, Job instead went and prayed for them. And then guess what? God gave him a package twice as much as he had before. Now, in this case, the same thing with uh, Ivan or Ivan. He was number two in this race. But to the world, he became very famous because of what he did. That if that pleases us, how much more God? So when we intercede for others, helping them to overcome and win, we answer the biblical call, First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, which says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people and ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. See that? I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. First of all, pray for all people. But in most cases, we first of all pray for who? Pray for ourselves. So that's principle number one that you've seen. Unselfishly put others before you because that's the same spirit that Jesus had when he went to the cross for us. And also, as we have seen here, Job had the same spirit of uh, putting others first when he had the chance because now he was approaching God instead of telling God of what he has gone through all this time, losing everything, his children and everything, he put his friend's um, needs before God first. Now, if you notice, God told the friends that go to my servant Job, but he didn't tell Job that I'm sending you these guys so you can pray for them so that I can do this for them. But instead, he told them. So when they went to him, Job must be listening to the Spirit of God. He must be such a man of God that he knew what God would want. That's why God uh, challenged the devil. He says, you try him. This guy is not going to change. Okay? Don't forget that we are talking about overcoming seemingly impossible feats. Okay? We have seen this one. Job had lost everything. That's the impossible feat. He had lost everything. He had lost his businesses. He had lost everything. But now, because of his unselfish spirit, God had helped him to uh, get back everything twice as much. So that's an impossible feat achieved through an unselfish spirit okay now we got we go to another one we have to understand god's hand is out there guiding us there is always god's guidance in every situation when go through but we have to know or we have to approach him and in this example we're going to see king david in first samuel chapter 30 verse 1 through 6 and verse 6 through 8 you can write those down and in this situation this principle that we're going to see is the hand of God guiding you through a situation that seems impossible, okay? Now, we're going to read from um, verse 1 through 6 and then skip on to verse 6 through 8, but I'm going to read it as one thing because the whole concept is in there, okay? So basically, we're going to read 1 through 8. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, and attacked Ziklag and burnt it with fire, and had taken captive women and those who were there from the small to the greatest. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burnt with fire. 
and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, and every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the effort here to me. And Abiathar brought the effort to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Okay? So now here we are. The story is that David had gone to align himself with with another king who was an ungodly king. And when he came back, to his town, Zikalag, and they had burnt the city down. They took their wives, they took their children, they took their cattle, they took everything. And so David was distressed, and he's the one who had led these other guys to go align himself with the, uh, the other king, who uh, was an ungodly king, okay? And now these people are looking at him and said, wait a minute, you took us out there. Now look what has happened. We come back, they've taken everything. We were ambushed. And so they were really getting mad at him. And then David, instead of getting in an argument with them, he asked for the effort. Now, I want you to understand something about the effort. The effort is really like a gown that the Jewish priests used to put on before they approached God. And this effort uh, contained the 12 names of the children of Israel. So basically it was like representing Israel when the priests put it on to go before God. And so that's what David did. He asked for the effort. Okay, the effort now is interesting because the effort is made up of certain colors. It's made up of gold, blue, scarlet red, and um, linen white, okay? And I'll explain to you what that is. See, in the Old Testament, the Israelites depended on certain procedures and customs to prepare themselves to meet or to hear from God. Wearing the effort was one of them. The effort contained the 12 names of the tribes of Israel. It was specifically made of blue, purple, scarlet red, and gold colors, as I've said. In the New Testament, the effort is not necessary for us to, do, to put on in order to approach God. Just like it's no longer necessary for us to sacrifice animals when we go to the altar of God, okay, to atone for our sins. Instead, God sent Jesus Christ... Our Savior is the way, the truth, and the life, as it says in John 14, 6. In fact, in Hebrews 16, it says that we do not even have to be scared to go in his presence because we have Jesus as our advocate, okay? And we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So the colors of the effort represent really Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. So they put on the effort before they approach God. For us, we are in Christ Jesus. In the Bible, gold means deity. Blue is the sonship of Jesus Christ. And then red, which is a representation of the blood of Jesus on the cross. And the linen white, that is his holiness. Okay, as you can see, all we need is to be in Christ Jesus and we shall be just like David went before God and he got his instructions about, should I go and pursue them? And then what did the Lord say? Yes, go, pursue them and you shall overtake them 
without fail you shall recover everything. Now, fast forward, come in the New Testament. We go through Jesus Christ because gold on the ephod represents his deity. The blue represents his sonship. The scarlet red represents the blood. How about the purple? The purple represents his kingship. So now when we are in Christ, that's our effort today. 1 John 5.14 says that we have a certain confidence. What is it? It says this, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Let me tell you, when you go before God in the name of Jesus, that's why we always say, I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus. Once you say in the name of Jesus, all these divine virtues are upon you because God no longer sees you. He no longer sees Sam Kawesa. He sees the deity of Jesus Christ. He sees the sonship of his son. He sees the red blood when he was crucified. He sees his holiness. He doesn't see my unrighteousness. And then the soon coming king, Jesus Christ, then he says, that's my son coming to me. He's standing in the gap. Now go back to the first story that we gave of Job. When Job went before him, he said, because I accepted him. See, Jesus is the accepted arbiter for us. He goes before us to God. He is the one that God has accepted. It's not us per se, but it's Jesus Christ because he sees Jesus when we go to him in the name of Jesus. That's why we approach him that way. We don't approach him as I am Catholic, I am uh, Pentecostal, I am blah, blah, blah. No, he says, come to me in the name of Jesus, regardless of who you are. That's the acceptance of his son that he's going to use. So go to him, take the name of Jesus, his God. It carries the deity. It carries his sonship. It carries the red blood of on the cross. It carries his kingship, the purple. He, it carries his holiness. So now that effort that those people used, used to dress, for us we can just say, in the name of Jesus, because you may not have time to get an effort, and we don't have an effort anyway. None of many of us don't even know what it is until we read about it, and there are only so many times. In fact, the effort in one time is represented as a gown or as a dress, and then in another time it's represented as an object of worship. But for us, we have Jesus Christ. So you're going to learn that when you are dressed in Jesus Christ, you can approach the Father for anything. Another principle that you're going to see is that when you're overwhelmed with the situation around you, with whatever is happening about you, guess what? Worship. It almost makes no sense. Why would I worship? Why would I be singing and dancing and rejoicing when everything is falling apart? I'm going to read you the um, story of uh, King Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles chapter 20, okay? And I want you to see a certain verse especially. That would be verse 12. But I want you to see the whole story and you'll understand that when you worship God under circumstances that make no sense, God is going to cause your situation to turn around. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 through 3, then we'll read verse 6, then we'll go on to verse 10 to 14, and then verse 17, and then verse 21 
through 22. So I'm going to combine all of them. These are only like 10 verses, okay? So it's not a big deal, but I'm going to combine them so you can see the whole picture. So we're going to get started. Ready? Here we go. It happened that after this, that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is Angeri. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah and said, O Lord our God, the God of our fathers, are you not the God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the earth? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? And now hear the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. And here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you gave us to inherit. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Watch that. Okay, that's verse 12. I want you to see. I'll read again. For we have no power against this multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you, O Lord. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. You will not need to fight this battle. Position yourselves and stand and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah, on Jerusalem. Do not fear. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness. And they went before the army and they were saying, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now, when they had begun to sing to praise the Lord, now when they had begun to sing to praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who came against Judah, and they were all defeated. I want you to understand a few things here. Here was uh, King Jehoshaphat. He's standing before God. He says, I don't know what to do. It's, it's just too much. All these people are coming against us. When, when our people were being freed from Egypt, they came through their land. But instead you told them, no, 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 go around because you did not want to disrupt them. Now see what they have done. We didn't even fight against them. Man, have you been in a situation where people you have helped turn up against you? They are the ones now coming against you. People you may have let in your home. People you, you let into your life. People you have let into your city. And then suddenly they are the ones turning against you. It happens all over the world. People come and displace you. Displace the owner of the place. They sue you. They do whatever they need because now they have some power. They try to kick you out of what you let them use. This is what happened in this place, in this uh, situation. 
but God's eyes were on his children, okay, the children of Judah. And this is what happened. As soon as they started to praise the Lord, can you imagine? He put a choir in front of an army. Instead of putting the fighters in front, he put those who are praising the Lord, his majesty, his greatness. Let me tell you something, my friend. Sometimes when the situation is so bad, sometimes when people have turned up against you, sometimes they are so well armed to the teeth, you can't do a thing about them like it was here. Turn them over to the Lord. Start rejoicing. Start singing the praises of the Lord. You are going to see they will start fighting against against themselves. It may be on your job. And then those people who are together, they start fighting against themselves. And then you say, hey, what happened here? That's what's happening. When you praise the Lord, the enemy gets confused. Satan gets confused, okay? This is where the brave dare not go. What do I mean? Even the brave in the natural form do not want to praise when war is here. They want to get their guns. But you who is believing, you who is under gun, you who doesn't seem to have anything to fight back, when you start praising the Lord, let me tell you, he raises up an army they do not see. Because the Bible says that he who is with us is greater than he who is out there. You see, sometimes we believers forget that Satan's biggest weapon is fear. And so what he does is scares us and then we all run around thinking that, you know, we are defeated. I'll read you this story real quick in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 through 20. Elisha and his servant were surrounded by this great army in the morning. And it goes like this. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, O Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eye, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. So you see, the enemy had chariots and horses and horsemen, but those who were surrounding Elisha and the servant to protect them, to fight for them, were chariots of fire. And that's what the enemy doesn't want you to see because he wants you to be fearful. And your situation may look like it's impossible. It's a fearful situation. But God has more resources around you for your healing, for your safety, for whatever it is that you need. So all you have to do, like he told this man here, do not be afraid. So many times all we have to do is not be afraid and God will come through and that's what God does he will send angels of fire to fight for you okay King Jehoshaphat here was overwhelmed by this mighty army surrounding him he approached God by acknowledging number one that God is almighty testifying about who God was in his remember his little speech he gave he testified about who God was he humbled himself and said he was powerless he called a group prayer and fasting call your people to pray call your family to pray and fast okay he allowed the spirit of God to speak to him through this unknown man, this unknown Levite. The Bible went through his family to show you that he wasn't one of those ruling people, but he was a person of God. He was a man of God. And God spoke through him. And then they did an amazing thing. Okay, I'll give you a story in our contemporary time. Um, In the 2012 Olympics in London, 
something great happened. There was this long distance runner from Uganda, the guy who won the Olympic um, marathon that year, okay? His name was Kiprotich, okay? No one expected him to win, not even his team manager. In fact, what happened is when the stars in the Uganda team didn't make through to the finals to in other races, guess what happened? The manager of the team left. This guy was left alone to be fed by these people who were not connected with the Olympics, but they were feeding this man because he was from their country. This man believed in himself. He believed God had sent him to do this impossible feat. So what he did he continued on. He waited until his race. He was abandoned by his Olympic managers. But guess what? At the end of the race, he's the one who brought the gold to his country. You can go and look him up. Kiprotich, K-I-P-R-O-T-I-C-H. It's going to inspire you that here was an unknown who came carry the gold for his nation. You know, this man Kiprotich is an amazing intercessor. He interceded even for a country that abandoned him. But you know what? The man continued on. And if you look him up, you're going to see that after he won the race, he went down on his knees and thanked God. And when he stood up, you could see he was in prayer thanking God. He was elevated to the top of the world. Because he believed that what God had put in him was greater than what was out there. Okay, That's what God does for us, my friend. He helps you to overcome. Now put the picture on our blog. This is an intercessor per excellence. This man is amazing. When he went back to Uganda, guess what happened? They asked him, what do you want us to do for you? He goes, Please build a home, a house for my parents because his parents were very poor in a very beat up house. And indeed they did. They built a brand new house from ground up for his parents. And then guess what? He was a guard in the prison department. They promoted him. That's what God does. He promotes you. That's what God does to you when you intercede for others. He promotes you, same as he did for job. So please continue to intercede for people. Then I'll give you one personal um, testimony. One of my daughters, always, every time she would be in the car, I'm taking them to school in high school, when she would see a homeless person on the street, she would want you to stop so she can give whatever money, whatever change money she had in her purse. It doesn't matter how much. And if you are at the lights and the lights turn green and you leave without giving him, she would be so mad at you. Then I would say, but listen, I had to leave. I had to start the car because I had to go because the the lights were green. But she would be so mad at you that you didn't take a few minutes so that she can get this money out of her purse to give the homeless person some money. She would intercede for them. Then I would say, well, you don't know why they're on the street. She says, that's not your business, Dad. All, you, all I know is he's on the street and I need to help him out. And he, she has done that in uh, Starbucks. He went to a Starbucks one time and they kicked this uh, homeless guy in the cold because he had not bought anything. So what she did, she went out, brought him back in, bought coffee for him, told him to sit down so they couldn't kick him out. And that's how this, uh, this uh, girl was. Now look, guess what? Now, I won't say what city, and I'll be very careful not to identify. She's in one of America's biggest cities in one of 
America's biggest medical center, and she is the director of uh, uh, this program for the homeless, the, one of the largest, if not the largest in the country, um, for homeless people, and she's a director. And the other day she told me that, Dad, I don't go out hiring people. They come to me. And she said uh, many of these applicants are from the universities, uh, one of them an Ivy League university, some of America's biggest universities, medical school, because they need the hours to work for uh, their internships, and she's hiring them. And so here we go, someone who from the beginning as a teenager had this spirit of intercession for these kind of people. The Lord had moved her to this big city, this big medical center, and directing a compassion program for these kind of people. She is an intercessor, and she has learned what the difference is between just praying and praying and working through what God has gifted you as an intercessor. So now I'd like to encourage those who intercede, continue to intercede even in the physical way. See, God may lead you. It doesn't matter what it is. This is for you because inside of you, God has put a spirit of worship that is so powerful. And one way you worship God is to believe in his word. And just like um, King Jehoshaphat, sometimes you may need to remind the devil that my God is able and God will take you through because you are worshiping him. It may be in song. Worship him. You may not even know how to sing. The Bible says that, hey, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. He hears it because he sees your heart. Now, the last part that I want you to see, all these examples I've given you, they lead to submission. Submission. And the one who submitted the most was Jesus Christ. Remember, he went in the Garden of Gethsemane three times. He called out his buddies, the close buddies, the three disciples. He took them with him so that they can pray. He separated them from all the other disciples and said, Hey guys, come, come with me. And they went up to the Garden of Gethsemane. But guess what? Three times the Bible says he came to them and they were sleeping. Because he left them here and said, let me go pray. He went out there and cried unto God. The Bible says that he prayed so hard, his sweat was like blood. Okay, This is in Luke twenty-two forty-two. Then he finally said this. This is the clencher. This is the one that defeats the enemy. This is the ultimate submission. Okay, He said, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I believe this is when the pain of the cross was defeated. This is when the sting of death was defeated. Because when he said this, the Bible says that an angel came and ministered to him. And now he was able to withstand the arrest. Because shortly after that, they came and arrested him. And remember when they came to arrest him, they were looking for Jesus Christ. And he said, I am. Remember when Moses uh, was at the at the burning bush and he said, if I go to the children of Israel and, and they say, who sent you? God told him, tell them that I am sent you. That's what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane too. Uh, when they came to look for him, he says, I am he. And the Bible says that when he said, I am, they fell. The power hit them and they fell. Guess what? When you are dressed in Jesus Christ, 
and you submit to the Lord, guess what? You are saying, I am has taken over. And it doesn't matter what situation it is. The power of the I am, that's the other name of God. The I am takes over and boom, the situation is taken care of. That's what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's how Jesus overcame the sting of the cross, the fear of death. That's when the keys of death were turned over to him. When he went to the grave, he had them. So when he rose up, he had the keys. The enemy had no more power over death. That's why the Bible says, where are you, O sting of death? There is no more power in death after that. We transition to heaven when we go to sleep. Even as Stephen did, when they stoned him, the Bible says that he looked up in heaven and he went to sleep. Jesus did the same thing. It was over. Let me tell you, when you submit the spirit of submission unto God the Father, when you submit your situation to him, it's over. The enemy is done. It doesn't matter what he does to you on earth here. They may kill you. They may torture you. They may take away your stuff. They may have sued you and won in court. But when you say, God, not my will but yours be done, it's over. Just move on. That's part of intercession. Why do I say intercession? Because now you have allowed Jesus Christ to stand between you and the enemy. And it doesn't matter what they do. That's what Stephen did. He looked in heaven. And guess what? He said the same thing that Jesus said on the cross. Forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Forgive them. Don't count this sin against them. That's what Jesus said on the cross. Forgive them. They know not what they do. When Stephen said that, the Bible says he slept. You may be undergoing abuse of some kind, attacks of some kind, whether in sickness, whether physical, whether financial, whatever it is. In the spiritual realm, it is an attack nevertheless. We have seen the attack on, uh, on job. It was financial, it was death of family, it was everything there. It was all put in one package by the devil. That's what he knows what to do. Because the Bible says, Jesus said that he came to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's what he does. That's what he did to Job. That's what he did to David at Zikalag. He came to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's what he tried to do to Jehoshaphat. But guess what? Jehoshaphat knew what to do. He went and praise the Lord. So praise the Lord. Admit that you can't do it yourself. Then submit like Jesus did and said, not my will but yours be done. And guess what? You are going to get victory in your situation. So I'm going to end this podcast by encouraging you that pray with impact. This is how you pray with impact. This is how you overcome the enemy because now you're using the principles that have been used before in the Bible by people of God, by Jesus Christ to overcome your situation, in your situation, okay? So we are going to pray that God will empower you through these examples that we have seen, through his anointing, through what Jesus did and continues to do because the Bible says he still intercedes for us. He is seated on the right hand of the Father interceding for us even this very hour. So we know intercession is powerful. Sometimes you have to pray for others before your own situation is taken care of. Okay, so in the name of Jesus, 
We come before you, God. We thank you, Father, for what you have shown us today in this podcast. Father, I thank you for what you're showing my friends out there. I do not know what they are going through, but you do. Some of them may be facing sickness like COVID. Some of them may be facing lawsuits. Some of them may be facing abuse in the family. It could be a spousal abuse. It could be a young person being abused by those who are supposed to take care of them. Father, it may be some kind of failure. It may be in school and this person feels like they are not going anywhere. They can't do anything. It may be they don't have the finances to finish their education. Father, nothing is too difficult for you. You ask in the word that is there anything too hard for me? And no, Lord, there is nothing too difficult for you. We are coming to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, asking you for help. With you, all things are possible. Father, we pray that you teach us how to submit to your will. Father, show us how to submit even under the hardest of circumstances. Lord, Heavenly Father, you are able to repair even the broken uh, relationships, Father. You are an awesome God. You are a good God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are coming to you, Father. These situations may be overwhelming but to you nothing is too difficult father change change where there needs to be change father father i pray for these people that they will go through these podcasts and the scriptures that were given to us and this episode lord they will see your power they will see your they will experience your anointing they will know and hear when your spirit speaks father because it's possible let them listen to you and your spirit and do as you direct them to do. Because we know when you direct us, Father, it never fails. We pray all this in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we are asking you strengthen the praying people. Strengthen them that they will not feel ashamed to pray and come to you to say that I prayed to God and he answered that I'm waiting on God to answer and direct me because you are able to in the name of your son Jesus Christ we thank you and we praise you amen amen so thank you my friends for listening to this podcast i admonish you that you go and read these scriptures and i'm going to post them on our uh, blog and our blog is www.prayingwithimpact.com praying with impact.com as one word www.prayingwithimpact.com it may take me some time to post them but i'm gonna post them and there are other articles on that blog that will help you in so many different ways it's an amazing blog we get a lot of downloads from people who go out there and they can just print it out and just read it and i'm gonna put this up here too so you can see it and so you can follow those scriptures and the stories on there and you'll be blessed and i thank everybody who downloads our podcast i couldn't tell you how happy i am and um, in fact <clears throat> we've had new downloads from places i never expected like ecuador sometimes you know i'm thinking ah oh, they have to be english speaking countries but they no we get all other countries and i'm so grateful grateful for people in the united states who continually download and other countries like nigeria india um, pakistan philippines those are some of the favorite downloaders they download all the time and they refer please refer 
to other people and we are on so many different platforms now you can get us on Alexa you can get us on Google podcast you can get us on Apple podcast you can get us on uh, um uh, uh, almost every platform out there that that offers podcasts you know Pandora if you google Africrist prayer podcast you're going to see the different platforms that will be uh, beneficial to you or easier to you in your country wherever you are uh, wherever you are thank you god bless you and we'll see you next time bye bye